this is not the time to close off communication. You know, really the opposite. There is a need for more communicating and leadership at this time is staying in touch with your people, understanding what's happening with them. So by the time you show up in the meeting, people are like, okay, my fellow board member, my boss understands what's happening in the background. Inform, inspire, and evolve. Welcome to Creating Community for Good, a podcast dedicated to philanthropy, the love of humankind. Join host Lindsay Simons in a friendly conversation about contributing to good as we bring together community, positivity, and energy to the business of generosity. Welcome your host, Lindsay Simons. Hi, welcome everybody to Creating Community for Good podcast. Today, we're going to talk about running inclusive, interactive virtual meetings. My guest is a nationally recognized leader on board and organizational development and strategy and the founder of the Ross Collective. She's committed to racial equity in the nonprofit sector and supports organizations and individuals in practices that celebrate and amplify diverse voices and perspectives. Allow for me to introduce to you, Dr. Renee Rubin Ross. Welcome, Renee. Thank you, Lindsay. So fun to be with you here today in conversation. I'm so happy that you're here. It's such an important topic and very relevant, figuring out how to run effective, inclusive virtual meetings. And there are so many different types of meetings. I would love for you to just lay the land of what we're talking about today in terms of virtual meetings and the different forums or formats. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wow. So here's what's happened. Two months ago, and I'm and I know that I'm not you know surprising anybody with this information. We were basically thrown into the situation that of going from being able to sit in a room together and talk and you know look each other in the eye directly to being online, and at least we have the opportunity to to meet in this way. But first of all, there's a lot of confusion around just technology and the best way to use it, and then of course, like just as much. We are in these really unprecedented times. So the work that I've been doing over the last few months, just to tell you a little bit about my work long term, I am a facilitator and trainer. I run a lot of board retreats, board meetings. And as you mentioned, my work is a lot about designing and running inclusive processes that really bring out and honor the contribution of each person. As we've moved to virtual, this question has come up in an even more pressing way. How do you do this now that we're, we've miss, we're missing so many of those in-person cues? How do we do this to really honor each person and make plans eventually, get to making plans for our organizations given the challenging moment that we're in? So I don't know if I laid out the, the kinds of meetings, but some of the you know, there's everything from board conversations, staff conversations, planning. I'm hearing a lot about scenario planning, how organizations pivot is the new word of the day, right? And and that's for all of us. That's for us as individuals in terms of what work are we able to do and what work is our, are our organizations able to do? Where do we need to change our priorities given the situation that we're in? and whether we're allowed to go out or not, and who is able to to work with us. So things have, in a really short amount of time, gotten a lot more complicated. Yeah, no kidding. And 
something that I've heard you talk about, you did a wonderful webinar on Bloomerang a couple of weeks ago, oh, thank you. and I loved it. Everybody should check it out. I'll copy it in the show notes. You talked about starting a meeting, whether you're in-person or virtual with some mutual agreements. And can you talk a little bit more about that? Share those tips with the audience. Sure, absolutely. So when I start any conversation, well, we didn't do it on the webinar, <laughs> but but generally speaking, if I'm the leader of the conversation to say, how do we want to be together? And that's really what it's about. I want to be respectful towards you. I want to know you're not going to talk my head off. <laughs> I want to know that you're going to listen and that you care about what I have to say and that we're going to work towards mutual understanding. So setting some of those ground rules, I think, really does create a sense of safety Usually what I do is I will, you know, I have something that I will start with that everybody can look at. Here's some agreements, and you can find a million meeting agreements online, but also to let everybody give them the thumbs up, you know, that, okay, are are you in agreement with, with these agreements that we've set out? And I do do this even for, for webinars when I can't see everybody's face. There's might be, you know, 500 people in the line, but I still want to say, hey, here's the value that I want to offer you. I want to acknowledge that I've, you know, I've done some planning and some work to think about what would be most useful. It's really important that this is an interactive conversation. I'm not, I'm interested in what I have to share, but also what you have to contribute to this ongoing conversation. And then there's one more thing, which comes up so much now in, in virtual spaces, which is what do we do about distractions? I put this as be here, be as present as you can. The more that you're able to be present, the more that you're going to get out of the conversation, right? So I've seen people say things like, turn off all your devices and put them aside and, you know, lock them away. I mean, I just think that's not so realistic for the moment we're in. I think as the more putting it in the positive is like really treating people as, as adults who respect each other. Yeah, great point. And so how are you starting meetings? Are you saying video on, camera on, camera off? How do you begin to lay the foundation for a virtual meeting that's effective? So we are under incredible strain right now. Mm-hmm. We as a, as a collective society. And, and that's coming out when people come to meetings, right? So, and then the other challenge that we have is we don't necessarily see that because we didn't have the opportunity to walk across the room with the person and say, hey, how's your day? How are you feeling? Right? We're just kind of popped in to this room and it's like, oh, hi. You know? <laughs> okay, here we are. You know? So you actually have to be very conscious and mindful to understand what's in the room. So what, what are some of the things you can do? You can say, wow, here we are. Let's take a breath. And even just letting people take a breath, it is so important. I had a story that I told on the webinar, and I I could share it again here, which was I was leading a process for an organization. Things got kind of emotional. And at the end, someone said to me, like, isn't that scary for you when people get emotional? And I said, no, no. I mean, that's when things get interesting. Because when wherever people have that emotion tied in, tied up in, that's really where that's that's holding on to their energy, and it's actually blocking them from being able to move forward with everything else that they're trying to do, right? Mm-hmm. So, 
it's really important to to see whatever emotions people are bringing to that meeting to honor them. I'm not saying you have to have a one-hour processing session, but just to say, hey, this is really hard right now, and thank you for being here. And then to the degree that you're able to, I mean, I think that as you've talked about in some of your other podcasts, this is not the time to close off communication. You know, really the opposite, there is a need for more communicating. And leadership at this time is staying in touch with your people, understanding what's happening with them. So that by the time you show up in the meeting, people are like, okay, my fellow board member, my boss understands what's happening in the background and leading up to this moment. Yeah, that's a great point. So along those lines of communication, are you using a certain number of meetings as a rule of thumb, or how often should you be in touch with your board during these times of (laughs) virtual engagement? Yeah. So some things that I've heard clients doing that I think are really positive are staying in touch weekly, if possible, with board members, and hopefully in a way that is not creating a lot more work. Because one of the things that's happened, especially in fundraising, is they're given all these different funds and new grants to write and different shifts in funding, which are positive and and are reacting to the environment. Some of them are positive. Some of them are challenging. But some of them are reacting to the environment. It's actually meant more work for organizations in addition to to having to shift their work. So it's like, all right, how do you do this in a way that is sustainable? So an example would be keeping track of different things that are happening over the course of the week, creating that list and sending it out to your board members Mm -hmm. on a weekly basis and just being like, here's some of the highlights of our work in the last week. And we just want to keep you looped in. And, and we'd love to, you know, talk more about this if you want to hear more. And also knowing that on their side, (laughs) there's some things happening with your board members too, that they may, you know, they also may be dealing with some capacity issues, depending on their other commitments. I just was part of a conversation with a board member who wanted to share an update with the rest of the board. And we decided to do a choose your own adventure style where we said, Mm -hmm. here's the summary, here's the highlight, what you need to know. And then if you would like to know more, drill down to these five points or, you know, Mm -hmm. click on this attachment, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Because to your Mm -hmm. point, our board members are just flooded with, everybody is flooded with emails. Another alternative I've been really excited about is the idea of doing a video email. So an email that once it comes into your box, you click on the link or the play button and you can have a one to 10 minute update from the executive director or showcasing your, your work, whatever it may be. Just because uh-huh. they're so reading, right? Have you seen that too? So, so, well, no, the reason I'm smiling is because it's interesting. I, I think this thing goes in different stages. So the first stage was like everybody, like a lot of people saying like, we want to help. Okay, so we're going to put on a webinar and we're going to talk about this and we're going to talk yeah. about scenario planning and we're going to talk about pivoting. And, and, and now I feel like I, I don't know if you feel this way too, but like there are so many things like that want to help, you know, <laughs> that I now need to count them and just sort of figure out like, okay, I, it's getting, it's getting to be too much. You know? <laughs> I've gotten a PhD, another PhD, you know, <laughs> in, 
in in a combination of like racial equity, meeting facilitation, nonprofit scenario planning, you know, uh, over the last two months. And so, all right. And there is a point we're kind of getting to that point of like we're oversaturated, right? Yeah. So, so realizing that the people and not to mention, I mean. People have their other, you know, their work for parents. There's a whole nother level of how this is impacting people, maybe dealing with with themselves being sick, family members who are sick, all kinds of, you know, the emotional environment out there that actually may give them less of an ability to process all of this. So, so yeah, I think really being being aware of, yeah, for the board members want to help. They are well intentioned, and they're, and different people are operating with different amounts of capacity to plan, to process information, all of that. Right, absolutely. So, if you're speaking to an executive director who's listening to the podcast or having a conversation with you, what are some of the overall guidelines that you would give them in terms of engaging with their board right now? We've just talked about having regular communications, perhaps doing it once a week, choose your own adventure of engagement. What else, how would you be framing the perspective that an executive director needs to take during this time, especially during virtual meetings? Well, I noticed that hearing the podcast from Rick last week, recently, he was talking about how many people out there really do want to help. And, you know, as much as I've said that some people don't have the capacity, but actually there are people out there who feel, who are very much aware of the suffering that's happening and want to help. And so I think continuing to communicate that value that the organization is providing and really, you know, there's a sense of, wow, a lot in our society isn't going well. And so nonprofits have this great opportunity to communicate with their board members and with everyone about what are we doing to be part of the solution right now? You know, that's a hopeful message. And I've talked a lot about how, you know, there's, there are these two parallel conversations going on. One is around surviving, right? And that surviving piece is like, how are we going to get through this time? What's happening with our finances? All of that. That's really important, right? That's kind of a foundation. At the same time, there's this other one around thriving. What's the long-term vision for our work? And even in this really hard time, what are we learning that might shift our work, might improve our work, or might allow us to amplify what we do. So yeah, I think that it's really, really important to to stay in touch and just keep talking about the value that your organization is providing and in whatever form that, that happens. And hopefully, I guess that that is the challenge, especially I know you were talking also about some arts organizations really continuing to affirm what is it that we're bringing into the world, even you could say it this way, right? Even as we maybe can't do it at this moment, that just shows how much more, you know, how much it is valuable. And when we get out of this, how much we want to make sure that we have this in our community. Renee, I've seen you, I'm going to switch gears just a bit. I've seen Mm -hmm. you working in action and I really enjoyed some of the interactive board trainings that you've done and workshops, especially at the Stanford Institute of Philanthropy. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. when I was involved, you were doing a lot of visual engagement with doing uh, whiteboarding Mm -hmm. and handing Mm -hmm. out paper, Mm -hmm. and then people would paste them in different parts of the room where you had different categories. 
And how are you doing mm-hmm. any kind of interactive brainstorming and collaboration with various members, particularly board members or stakeholders in a virtual mm-hmm. setting? Right. So, so some ideas, yes. I use a couple of different kinds of facilitation. One is called the technology of participation. It is, as you mentioned, a very visual kind of facilitation where you take ideas and put them on the wall, move them around. It really helps the group to think together about, you know, about, first of all, get all the ideas up there and then narrow them in and, and, and come to a plan. But you can do these things online also you can and so some things you can do are use use a uh, something like zoom for the conversation but then also use something like google slides or google docs and let so that the whole point of this is that you're not is that you're letting different people have access to the information it isn't just okay i'm the one taking notes and no one else can see what i'm writing but right you're empowering everyone in the conversation to put their ideas up there, to move them around, to contribute. And so it becomes more, you know, you're, you're kind of opening up the power in the room more. And I also think like some people track information by hearing and then other people track information visually. And, and then, and other people like to really plan ahead, but some people like to kind of be there and start playing around with it. But people have different styles. And this is a lot, some of the things that, that I work on too, in terms of people have different styles of processing information. People have different ways they like to work. So it's when, anytime you design a meeting, you want to hit a few of those styles so that you're not just designing for somebody exactly like you. So I don't think that Zoom on its own with the chat is is enough. I think that you need to use something like Zoom, but then also use another kind of collaboration software that's visual that people can work on together. And by the way, there are more sophisticated ones that I have worked on a little bit. Miro is one. Mural is another. M-I-R-O is one, and another one is M-Mural, M-U-R-A-L. Some of the considerations for those would be, when I design meetings, are we able to be inclusive and to make sure that people who are participating will feel like they didn't get left behind by the group, right? How do you do that? How do you make sure that you mentioned learning styles and personality styles? How do we take into account? What are some of the styles? How do we take them into account? How do we make sure that the shy person is getting heard? Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Now we have, we have all these different things to talk about here. Yeah. Yeah. So start where you like at one at a time, but this is really the meat of what I want to hear about is what are some of the real takeaways that our listeners can start employing? Mm-hmm. So I think it depends on the group. If you have a group that is going to meet really consistently and and maybe is is working on some strategic planning and is ready to dive into these more, let's say, modern collaboration tools, I would say go for it because it's really fun and people like to kind of, again, like play with things. And the facilitator needs to feel confident, too, about them, right? Now, if if you have a group that's going to meet one time, it's probably not worth it to spend, you know, if you're going to have one, if you're going to have a four-hour meeting or even a three-hour meeting, it's not worth it to spend a half an hour teaching everybody a new technology, okay. right? So that's some of the considerations. In terms of, of styles, so 
in my webinar that I did, and actually I, I do this with my class, my board development class at Cal State East Bay, I talked about uh, different participation styles. So one of them is people, and I have a quiz that, that I can send out if someone wants to, to get it too. It's a little assessment. So one of them is, is somebody who sees conceptualizer, right? That person sees the big picture of things and is most interested in, in, you know, in the big picture. Another one is affiliator. That person is interested in the social aspect mm-hmm. of meetings and really wants to, and maybe that, maybe that person joined the board because their friend asked them to, you know, so, and is looking to connect and is, is and wants to make sure that people are expressing vulnerability and connection in the meeting. Then there are the analyzers. Those are the people who spend a lot of time on those financial details and really want to get into the small details of things and make sure that things are set really well. And last one is our activators. Okay. And activators are the people who are like, okay, where are we headed? What's the next step? What's going to happen? How do we check it off? So the thing about this is that a couple things. First of all, as I described these styles, they really do conflict with one another. <laughs> okay. I mean, there is some there is some innate conflict between, let's say, the analyzers who really want to get into those details and the affiliators who are more interested in the social time, let's say. But there are ways to design meetings and really run meetings acknowledging that all those styles exist. So some of it is just awareness. You know, okay, we're not all the same. That's actually a good thing because because if we're doing planning, we all have strengths. And even, you know, some donors are going to connect more with the affiliators. Some are going to connect more with the analyzers. Mm-hmm. And some are going to connect more with the people who are really focused on next steps. So we need all. I mean, this is probably, you know, somebody said this is kind of similar to social styles. You know, people have different ways of looking at the world, and that's great. We need all of those ways. But kinds of things you can do, you know, have a clear sense of the purpose of the meeting, send out materials ahead of time. Don't, you know, just drop in and be, okay, here we go. You know, now we're going to start, you know, let people, some people want to review on their own. And I, I that's another advantage of using Google Docs where everybody can see those materials because some people are following right with you this, and, and that other people may want to read certain parts on their own. A while back, somebody asked me this question, which is, you know, what if you have someone in a meeting who just keeps taking all this time? And I know I had this situation with a client where it was, there was someone in the meeting who was taking a lot of time, and it was because he was an analyzer who wanted to really get into the financials and spend a half an hour. <laughs> you know, so there are things proactively that you can do. Understanding that people are going to have different needs in that meeting, there are things that you can do to manage that. Yeah, I, I love that. I think that's really, it's important in general for organizations to know mm-hmm. what their audience is, of course, right? But I think in this mm-hmm. time, it's important to be even more sensitive to it so that we can prepare mm-hmm. and plan for it. I've also been thinking about how so many people are going through the processing of crisis in different ways, and there are different crises that pop up in any given day, especially for mm-hmm. those who are parents young children or perhaps have parents or elderly that they need to care for. Mm -hmm. And there are very time sensitive Mm -hmm. needs that these populations require. 
So uh, mm-hmm. I think that it's important to be considering every single meeting to be yeah. uh, a new reset and checking in with the audience. I've seen one executive director that I work with does a fist to five check-in, which means oh, nice. yeah. you say, great, so yeah. how's everybody doing? Fist to five. Five is you're terrific. You've never been yeah. better. You're ready to go. Fist is you just have no energy. You're only here because you're required to be here. Oh my God. Yeah. And then he really takes it from there. And rarely do people uh, go as low as, as a five or a one, but <laughs> then it's yeah. like, you know, in the moment yeah. decide, is that person critical for this meeting or should we give them a hall pass? And is there anything we can do to just address supporting yeah. that person before mm-hmm. we get into the work? Mm-hmm. Because the work mm-hmm. is, as you and I actually talked about offline, the work is really important, but it's almost secondary right now, secondary to the primary needs being of health. <laughs> oh, this is exactly what, so, so, so this is what I've been thinking about is yeah. that this is really a time to think about caring. Okay. And, and on so many different levels, how do we care for our, how are we caring for our families? How are we caring for people who might be at risk? How are we caring for people? And now I'm going to start crying. How are we caring for people of different races? of different racial backgrounds. This is not hitting everybody in the same way. And the fact is that, I mean, this is whole thing about privilege and being able to isolate or essential workers who are, you know, much more likely to be African-American and Latino, a higher percentage of whom have health conditions that are causing them to be really sick or die from COVID. So, this is a moment where we as a society are saying, need to think about how much do we care? How much do we care? And how much do we care for all humans who, and now, yeah, I really am crying. <laughs> how much do we care for all humans who are around us? And I think the way through this process, the, what, what we show at this time is like what we're going to have when we get out of it, right? I mean, what do we want our leadership to be? Is it, is it I only care this much or do I care that much? And, and I personally and, and, and many of my clients and many of the people that I hope will be my clients in the future want to say, hey, we have this vision for a society that cares for all people. That just feels so, so fundamental. And so in the small picture, I'm talking about meetings. It feels small. But in really in the big picture, I'm talking about how do we want to be together? And that all of our interactions reflect that, right? In a meeting, and then, as you say, someone's a five, then you go offline and you talk about it with them at another time, and, and how, how can I show my care for you? And, and, and you know what happens down the road is that person is eternally grateful, oh, you know, that, yes. that this organization showed this, this philanthropy human side, right? The love of humankind. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate that moment of vulnerability that you just shared with me and with the audience. I think it's it's so important to be real, be authentic, and in the moment to realize, yes, we are just talking about virtual meetings, but it is a much broader message that you're distributing. And every time you mm-hmm. get on a meeting right now or have a connection with any other human, it's probably more mm-hmm. more intense or it's magnified in some ways because 
it seems that that's all that we we can do is just connect in a limited way. So it's, it seems like there's a bit of a microscope on how we're connecting with people and just how important it is mm-hmm. to slow down and stay human in these times. Yeah, and and strangely enough, I think like it takes some intentionality, right? Because it's, it is easier to just sort of be like, boom, or it is easy to be like, boom, okay, here we are. Okay, we're in the Zoom room. Let's go through our agenda, you know, da 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 But the product that we're going to get at the end is going to be a lot higher quality if we can, you know, slow down to speed up. Yes, thing. yes, I love that phrase. I use that often too. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Renee, what are ways that we can be mindful and inclusive of those who are minorities or are the introverts? I mean, totally different types of groups. I don't mean to clump them together, but in terms of a video or conference call, and if you've mm-hmm. got a majority who are outspoken and in power mm-hmm. classically, how do we create more inclusive video conferencing? What does that even mm-hmm. look like? Do you mm-hmm. call on people? I think that so much of of sharing power and redistributing power is just being really honest and authentic and transparent about who has that power. Mm-hmm. So first of all, saying like... Maybe even naming it. Is oh, that- yeah. 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 I mean, so so first of all, saying, I mean, I think like for any organization, the leadership needs to do that work of saying, we care about racial equity. This is on our website. This is something that, that is part of, of, you know, of the, our recruitment of staff. This is part of our recruitment of board members. And so, and we've already thought about why this is important strategically for our organization, because if we don't pay attention to this, we will become irrelevant. I mean, that's kind of, that's how it works, basically. If we can't hear diverse voices going forward in the 21st century, our work is just going to be less, the, the quality of our work is going to suffer. So, so that's really important. And just that it's coming from the leadership. Not, I mean, and I guess I, the reason I say that is because I don't think it's the responsibility of the person who might feel more of an outsider in, the, in a certain group to be leading that charge. I think it's everybody's responsibility. But what are some of the things you can do? First of all, start with the intention to hear everybody's voices. So technically, that might mean not always having a large group, doing breakout sessions, doing, you know, do we really need to have a meeting of 20 people right now? Or could this be something that individual teams are working on so that more voices are incorporated into the planning? Could we rotate who is in charge of the agenda? Right. So it isn't always the same person. Again, a way of saying like person who's creating the agenda is a person with the power. So is there a way that 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 power can be shifted a little bit? Yeah. And then, I mean, I think, again, going back to curiosity and really saying like our intention is to honor and celebrate and bring out diverse voices. We haven't heard from you. How can we, are there either things that we can shift to make sure that everybody feels heard in this group? And there's some learning that probably can happen based on that. Yeah, that's great. I love the idea of rotating who's owning the meeting, who's mm-hmm. on the agenda, who's running the meetings. I had a meeting the other night mm-hmm. where somebody else ran for me and I thought that the meeting was far better than the meetings I typically run because I was hearing my own voice and I was so grateful to have another perspective. 
I imagine that the others on the call felt the same way as much as they were uh, appreciate and respect me. It was just a moment to recall or, or sort of keep in mind that it is good to have diverse perspectives and leadership and different leadership styles can be refreshing to groups. So mm-hmm. going forward, mm-hmm. I, I'm actually going to propose that we rotate who is facilitating the meetings that we're having on a weekly basis. And uh, mm-hmm. I think that will add value. It'll mix it up a bit. I think it'll keep our virtual meeting mm-hmm. a little bit more engaging. I also was on a virtual meeting recently where I was not able to be part of the video because I was driving. So I was mm-hmm. sitting in and I were on video. Mm-hmm. And that was just mm-hmm. another representation of a handicap where I could yeah. not get a sense of the room at all. In person, I usually yeah. feel out of room by having small coffee chats or mm-hmm. run into each other in the hallway or get your material and sit down. And there are conversations along the way before the meeting starts, as you've talked about as well. And now with video, as you've also said, boom, you're you're on. The, the time is uh, strikes and then you're all in this virtual mm-hmm. space, but at least you can see each other's faces or what's going on. If there's a mm-hmm. kid running around in the background or somebody's looking very focused and poised, you know what mentality they're in. You have a clue towards it. Then take away the mm-hmm. video and all you have is audio. And I realized yeah. it was really important for me to do a quick check-in with everybody to say each person's name, you know, hey, Sarah, how are you doing? Hey, Bob, how are you doing? You know, whatever it was. Uh, and well, so that each person uh-huh. had a chance to mm-hmm. say something that I could hear in their voice. So it was really an exercise mm-hmm. for me, but then hopefully for them too, to just say, yeah, I'm here, I'm present, I'm excited, or, or I'm mm-hmm. stressed. Or whatever yeah, and by the way, I mean, I love that you brought this up because it's a question that I've gotten a lot is like, well, you know, how important is the video? Do you tell people to turn their video on? Yeah. And I think like, of course you are, I mean, let's say the f- most connecting conversation you can have would be sitting face-to-face with somebody in a cafe or whatever. But but if we're not doing that now, all right, sure, if you can see their face, if, then you would, uh, you know, that's kind of the second level of connection. But there, this is an equity issue also. You know, there are people with different qualities of their internet connection or their whatever, they, whatever kinds of screens they have. They may have things going on. Somebody emailed me after my presentation, and, the, and she said, I didn't know that I was going to be on video because we did breakout sessions, and I, I was here with my 15-month-old, and, and you know, and I'm not, I really wasn't comfortable, and I was like, okay, you know, <laughs> we're all learning. I just learned something, which is, you know, it is so important, first of all, to let people know that you would like them to be on video, but also, I mean, the other thing was, it was, I think we have to give each other a lot of compassion and slack at this time and, and just really be like, all right, whatever you can do, whatever level you can show up, we appreciate that and, and we're happy you're here. I mean, again, how do we want to be t- with each other? How do we want to show care going forward versus like, oh, you're in trouble because you didn't show up on the video. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Great point. I love it. Ray, we're close to time. I feel like I could talk for another hour with you and there's a lot, you know, many more layers that we could get, dive into. But yeah. what question did I not ask you that I should have asked you in terms of virtual meetings and inclusivity? I think we, we did cover it pretty well. I I mean, I think the the main thing that I want to leave people with is, you know, this is this is a very hard time for people there's a lot of challenges and it's it's really really important to acknowledge that 
And yet at the same time, there are some opportunities that are opening up. Mm-hmm. And so, so I hope that people in, you know, in meetings are using their conversations with, you know, approaching them with a sense of, of curiosity. And that really is the, the part of inclusion is like everybody in the room brings a story and their experience and the experience of the communities that they represent and their families. And, and the more that we can, can bring that out, the better work we're all going to do. Right. So it's, it's not just like a nice thing. It's, it's actually so strategic for our work and for our fundraising and for, for us as people, you know, to, to be able to do this. I think that's a great piece of advice to always stay curious, right? That's the beginning yeah, of mindset. That's yeah. the Buddhist mentality or yogic mentality mm-hmm. is the beginner's mindset of mm-hmm. starting everything mm-hmm. with curiosity. And I think now more than ever, we should really bring that into our workplace. Would you take mm-hmm. just a moment to summarize what we've talked about today and what you hope to have shared as your message? What is it? What does it mean to run an inclusive and interactive virtual meeting? Yeah, so uh, a couple main steps. One is approaching these conversations with a lot of compassion. And some advanced knowing about where people are inside of that compassion. Also, knowing that people have diverse ways of processing information and bring diverse stories. And and we have blind spots around thinking that, you know, planning our conversations as if everybody might receive the information in the same way that we do. So we, so in order to get beyond that blind spot, we really have to be more open and think about who's coming to the conversation and how do we open up different pathways for them to participate. And then this last part is really about in the challenging moment that nonprofit organizations are in, how can we just keep talking about the value that we're bringing to the world out there, whether it's in, you know, whatever field it's in, whether it's in the medical, for, for medical, you know, health organizations or social service or arts and, and how much these organizations are enhancing our society and helping people to feel that they, can, they are contributing and that they're connecting and that our communities are better because of them. So, so again, going back to that, you know, surviving and thriving. Mm-hmm. And this is a really hard time, but some of our work as leaders is showing, is finding, is together finding that way forward to thriving because we, we'll get through it. You know? <laughs> I don't know when, but, but we will get through it. And, and so what do we want on the other side? How do we want to be together? Yeah, I love that. Hey, it's all about creating community for good. I feel like you summarized. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Renee, if there was one organization, one concept, or one person that you would want to pay homage to and shout them out on the end of the podcast, what would it be? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Well, I'll just, I, I, you didn't mention this before, but I do direct the nonprofit management certificate program in Oakland, California for Cal State, Cal State University, East Bay. And this summer... Our courses will actually be online, potentially in the fall as well. well. It hasn't been clarified, but 
one thing that I've noticed at this time is it is an amazing resilience where people, as much as they're in crisis, they're also really interested in learning. So for those listeners out there who might want to deepen your learning and skills, you could certainly check out the Nonprofit Management Certificate Program or find something in your community where you can, you know, connect with others and and keep learning. That's terrific. I agree. People are interested in learning, interested in open right now. And how can they find you? Yeah. So my firm is The Ross Collective, www.therosscollective.com. And if people want to subscribe to my newsletter, I send out updates about every month, maybe maybe more frequently. Yeah, and I have been doing a lot of webinars and other presentations lately, especially around this topic, but also, you know, around work with boards and inclusive boards and all of that. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Renee. This has been lovely, and I'm sorry that I kept you a little longer. Okay. Yay. <laughs> I appreciate you. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. With this latest valuable episode, we'd love to thank you for joining us on the Creating Community for Good podcast. If you found today's show valuable, simply visit our website, creatingcommunityforgood.com to leave a review as well as to get access to additional resources and relevant links from this show. Stay tuned for more episodes.